You're listening to an all-new episode of Self-Made Strategies. Visit selfmadestrategies.com for new episodes, information about our guests, and a whole lot more. Welcome to episode 127 of the Self-Made Strategies podcast. On this episode, we sat down with Michelle Molitor, who's a nationally recognized speaker, certified executive coach, rapid transformational therapy practitioner, consultant, and trainer, and also a writer. Michelle has a passion for helping others amplify their natural talents and for expanding their leadership skills. She has a couple of masterclasses, which you can check out by going to the links in the show notes below this episode. And on this episode, we're discussing imposter syndrome and how you can develop habits to hopefully overcome amygdala hijacks, imposter syndromes, and gain a little bit of peace in your own life. Here are the self-made strategies of Michelle Molitor. Really excited to get to know you and really excited to talk about this topic. We've covered um, imposter syndrome to some degree on this show, but certainly not with uh, anyone that we'd call necessarily an expert, especially uh, to your degree. And I appreciate you sending over all of the links and all the information that you sent for our listeners to have access to, and I'll make sure that that's available in the show notes for everyone. But thank you again, Michelle. Really great to have you on the show and looking forward to talking about all of this stuff with you. Um, Of course, you've done your masterclass on the keys to cultivating your confidence, the five secrets to getting unstuck. And I'm looking forward to discussing that a little bit. And again, that link will be in the show notes for anyone who's listening to this episode so that they can go watch watch that or sign up for it if they prefer. And you've also uh, put out a masterclass on how to rewire your relationship with money. So tools for mastering your mindset and how to approach money differently. So let's talk first a little bit about those two masterclasses. What are they about? What can people expect to learn from them? So in the keys to cultivating your confidence, um, you're going to get uh some tips and some tools and a guided transformation recording to help you boost your confidence um, to really understand what are the areas that are commonly getting in the way of people and um, that are just creating the head noise that gets in their way of um, having them be more successful, having um, come through my own, uh, obstacle course and trying to regain my own confidence after being bullied out of my job in corporate America 20 years ago. Um, I'm really passionate about this work. And so, um, it's just stuff that comes out of me right? and some tools to help folks, um, really start to understand what's underneath the, the lack of confidence that they might be experiencing. Oftentimes it goes all the way back to something we've experienced in our childhood um, that has implanted the seeds of, I'm not good enough, I don't belong, I'm not worthy, um, et cetera, that can erode at your confidence over time or or there's other life events that create those constructs as well. In my case, it was a really challenging uh, corporate situation. Other people have been bullied in in school or they've been um, bullied or abused in a relationship, right? There's a lot of different things that can create that. So the more you can start to reflect 
internally about um, what is getting in the way, the quicker you can start to move it out of the way. Yeah, that's that's great. And you're right. I, that's part of the process, of course, is identifying what the issues are and then starting to work towards getting better. Do you want to share that story with the listeners about how you were bullied in corporate America? Sure. So I was a creative director in my former life um, in web development in the high tech world and was moved to San Francisco at the height of the boom. It was very exciting. I had a golden money ticket and I was going to be a millionaire. And then um, that didn't happen because the market crashed instead the week I started. And, you know, we kept persevering and I was building out a creative team. This was a global web development company that I was working for. And I hired two folks to help me um, as art directors on this creative team. And they made it very clear, very quickly, they didn't like working for a woman um, and got up in my face about it and undermined me with clients, et cetera. And... At the time, I didn't have the wherewithal that I have now <laughs> after years of personal development and study. And um, ultimately, it, it created its own self-fulfilling prophecy. I was, my own imposter syndrome got in the way. And, uh, and do I have, I don't have all the answers. Someone's going to find me out. It was very scary and nerve wracking and, and anxiety producing, which undermined my productivity um, and my clarity, which ultimately um, I got fired. And it was just really, really devastating to me. And I was very much a deer in the headlights of like, oh my gosh, what do I do now? And so I turned to, my uncle turned me on to coaching. He was like, yeah, there's this thing called career coaches now. I was like, great, where do I find one of those? So I hired a coach to help me figure out what to do next. And in the process of being coached, it was like all the cells in my body came into alignment. It was like, yes, this is what you're supposed to be doing. So I went on and got trained and certified and started my own company because that seemed far less daunting than um, handing my resume to anyone at that point. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I'll just figure it out. I grew up in a family of entrepreneurs. Sure, why not? So off I went and I've uh, been sorting it out ever since over the last 20 years. Um, I work with folks all around the world because um, I do it over Zoom, and um, it's it's been pretty amazing. And then along that journey, I've always been um, a learning junkie, right? Can I have another workshop, please? Can I have some more information? Um, feeding my own, you know, bouts of imposter syndrome along the way. Do I need another set of letters after my name? Okay, that's a good idea. I just to, just to prove that I was worthy and enough, right? I kept, in hindsight, I can see how I was just, I kept trying to prove myself to my family. See, I can be an entrepreneur too. They, you know, my mom and my dad and my brother and my sister all work together in the family businesses. And I was like, no, thank you. I'm going to go over here to California or France where I went first. So um, ultimately I've learned a lot Um I'm I'm pretty self-aware. <laughs> and uh, along that path, I discovered this process called Rapid Transformational Therapy, or RTT for short. Mm -hmm. And in that process, um, it's, it's by far, hands down, the fastest way I found to get at subconscious blocks. And I've tried a lot of things, and I've done a lot of work, right? 
And so when I went, when I did that work for myself, it literally moved some of my blind spots out of the way in a matter of weeks, things that I had been trying to get at for many, many years. And so um, when that was available for training, I immediately started doing that and incorporated it into my work. And now I call it my rapid rewiring program. So um, it's a, inside of 90 days, I'm able to help folks identify the core blocks that are in the way of their confidence um, that are keeping them from achieving the success that they know is possible, um, and even from the health and well-being that they know is possible, because oftentimes our fears, our anxiety manifest in in physical ways, whether that's IBS or chronic migraines or stress um, or adrenal fatigue, so many different ways that it shows up. And this work has um, enabled me to help people eliminate or or extremely reduce the signs and symptoms of those fears and worries in their in their bodies, mind and spirit. That's really incredible. And and I'm really excited to talk about rapid transformational coaching, rapid transformational therapy, as you sort of led into there. But we'll we'll get to that a little bit later in the episode. Let's go back to what imposter syndrome is. And I really want to get into this disparity between how men and women um, and then also, you know, uh, disadvantaged communities in general, how there's these this big gap, this disp- disproportionate uh, impact from uh, imposter syndrome with respect to men and then separately females, but then also the disproportionate gap on the impact with uh, minority communities, disadvantaged communities, certainly. So let's let's start with defining imposter syndrome, and then we'll get a little bit more into that disparity to talk about that. Sure. So essentially, imposter syndrome is a psychological pattern where an individual doubts their skills, their talents, their accomplishments um, in a persistent internalized fear um, it's a fear that constantly shows up um, in the feeling of being a fraud. And even despite all the evidence to the contrary of that, um, they experience these fears and it creates anxiety in a lot of different ways that um, has them hide out, um, not achieve their full potential, and feel like they don't deserve the accolades that they are getting. It's like they, they almost as if they um, kind of, uh, psh, you know, anybody could do that, right? But what I found through my 20 years of work is that oftentimes the thing that comes so easily to you that you take for granted, you think, oh, everyone can do that. It's actually your superpower. It's the thing that you do uniquely and People, other people can do it, yes, but it might take them more effort or time, and and you can do it effortlessly with grace and ease, right? So that's a big part of what I help people do is recognize those core traits, talents, values that they bring to the table in their own unique way and um, enables them to then step into those talents and gifts more fully because my job is essentially to reflect back to them um, the amazing, unique talents and skills that they have and um, learn how to really step into them 
more fully and create more of what they want in their life and their career. Sorry, I apologize. I'm having a technical issue with my camera there, and that's why I was uh, <laughs> close up to the camera. Um, no, that is that is fascinating, and I, I think that it's an important thing for people to recognize that this creeps up in our professional lives very often, and yes, a lot of times you don't even see it coming. It kind of sneaks up on you, and um, there's this. That's kind of what leads to workplace-based anxiety. I'm I'm imagining, and a lot of other issues that are caused by that, right? Absolutely, absolutely, and you know, fortunately or unfortunately, um, imposter syndrome is something that you can you can work on. You can elevate your confidence. You can find more strength, and as how our brains are are hardwired something else can often come along and re-trigger it, right? Despite some of your very best efforts, right? Um, I've done a ton of work on myself around this issue. Um, I've, I've researched confidence and I've, I've gotten really curious about it. I, I read about neuroscience because it's fun for me, right? Why does that happen for some people? Why does it not happen for other people? You know, I, I look at my own family, right? My brother, is and has always been extremely confident and I wasn't. And like right. we grew up in the same household. Why is that? Um, and so that's what is the fuel for this work for me is giving people the understanding that despite what's happened to them in their childhood, um, despite what's happened to them in their work life, they can regain, rebuild, enhance their confidence in ways that bolsters them next time that trigger does get triggered and find a new set of coping skills so that you move through it faster and become much, much more resilient. Right. Yeah, that's very important. Now, let's talk more about this focus on the disparity. So as you were starting to to allude to there, certainly your your brother's never really had as much of a conflict with that. Do you think that's also in part because of, you know, traditional male upbringing? I, I think from a different era, certainly, but but it's still prevalent today where men are kind of taught to repress their emotions to begin with and kind of bottle things down. Um, do you think that that's part of it? Or do you think that the disparity between men and women to begin with it also comes from in large part, the fact that society has held women down as a class for a long period of time and not allowed them to, as a group, to get into these roles that traditionally speaking, and I don't agree with this at all, by the way, that uh, w women were were not allowed to do certain jobs because of this stigma that they were less capable, which is clearly not true and ridiculous. But do you think that that's part of it or do you think that it's something else? Um. Yes, and it's all of that and more, right? It's it's definitely part of our nurturing and our, our upbringing that is certainly starting to shift now in modern times with how um, modern parenting has really changed a lot over the last 10 to 20 years, I would say. Um, you know, we're much more empowering of our children. Um, and there's still so much... Um, male-dominated bias in the workplace, um, even today, right? I was just reading an article about um, how due to the pandemic, there has been $800 billion lost in revenues because wow. women 
have exited the workforce. Wow. 64 million women have exited the workforce because they simply couldn't manage, um, not because of their own fault, but it, trying to manage a full-time job and manage having your children in your house and homeschooling them all at the same time. In, in families, it's been more often or not than the woman has stepped back from her career to handle all of the rest of the other things than men have, which only continues to perpetuate that whole idea that women are less than in some way, shape, or form, when actually I think personally, <laughs> we're 10 times stronger because we're able to manage all of these things far more um, perhaps gracefully than men. And, and that's no slam on men. And it's just that nurturing sense of motherhood that ha is just a different kind of um, vibe with your children and inside of families. Yeah, that that does make a lot of sense. And I, I no arguments for me here that uh, w women, especially historically, have managed so much more than men have had to <laughs> and um, and have done so with a lot of grace and, and patience, quite frankly, as as a group as societally. Right. Uh, just kind of waiting for that opportunity to finally and, and hopefully we're heading in that right direction. I don't think we're quite there yet, but hopefully we're heading in a direction where female empowerment really starts to get the respect that it deserves. Um, how about the disparity with imposter syndrome with respect to disadvantaged communities as well? Gosh, yes, that's, that's, there's an even bigger spread there because of the already existing inherent biases that are happening against, um, women against minorities, um, against disabled uh, folks, um, because oftentimes folks who are disabled, their disabilities aren't necessarily apparent, right? It might be a learning disability. It might be a speech disability. Um, it comes in so many different flavors. And so all of that plays a role in how we're able to show up. You know, I was talking with a colleague of mine um, just the other day about this, and um, she has a, um, she's very dyslexic. And so it takes her much longer to read. And so in her email response to anyone who sends her an email, she says, gosh, thank you so much for reaching out to me. Please know that my learning disability makes it takes me longer to read and respond to emails. So thank you for your patience. Right. And I, I thought that was so wonderful for her to say, Hey, you know, this is a thing and I'm doing my best to manage it. Right. And right. you need to manage your emotions on the other side. Right. And instead of like, Hey, why haven't you responded? Like I'm doing my very best. Right. And so part of my work is helping folks understand of sharing what's so for you, right? There's no shame in it. We all have different ways of processing and taking in data and how we're able to move through that. You know, we've got our introverts and our extroverts and our ambiverts. I sit in the middle, I go both ways depending on the day and the time, right? right. right? And, and when you can understand and appreciate how different people process information, you can find more grace and compassion for them 
so that you're not at odds. Um, a, a great example, I had a company I was working with and we had two directors and one was very extroverted and very fast on her feet and the other was far more introverted and was an internal processor mm -hmm. and had to take the information and go away, digest it and come back. And the one person was like, come on, give me an answer. She was like, I'll get back to you in an hour. Right. But I, we had to teach them how to recognize that in each other so that they could respect each other more instead of butting heads and causing all this other drama that was unnecessary. Yeah. And, and that's certainly one of the things, right, is it doesn't even always evolve to the level of a uh, learning difficulty or a learning difference. I think it's being called now. Right. Um, or or. Uh, even evolving to the level of a, of a disadvantaged community, something that's as simple as maybe, you know, you've got a uh, ambivert and extrovert and an introvert and they all walk into a bar. Sounds like the beginning of a joke, right? Um, <laughs> yes, and, exactly. And you have this situation where you have dynamic personalities. We're all different in many ways and, and societally and globally, we're always trying to put labels on every little thing, right? You know, everybody's got to have some kind of label of of all these things. Well, but some, that's, that's how our brains work, yeah, right? We have to find true. categories to make sense of the world. That's true. That's a great point. But yeah, it, it sometimes is even as, as, as sort of unrecognized as something like that, where you could cause a bit of imposter syndrome in that individual just because they're not the more uh, outward extroverted type and they need more time for introspection. It's funny that you bring that up because not that this is at all a, a marital podcast, but my wife and I are very much like that. She's she's <laughs> far, far, far introvert, probably mostly. I think most people who who know her may not may not know that, but uh, she's she's pretty introverted on a normal basis. And I myself am. I think I took one of those online, you know, are you an introvert or extrovert exams? And I got like a ninety nine percent extrovert. I'm I'm way <laughs> the opposite spectrum. I I love a room with filled with people. It fills me with energy. And mm -hmm. yeah, it, it takes a lot to to learn to adjust those those settings, right? And to, and yes. to also just be empathetic and sensitive to the people that you're talking to and what their 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 energy level and their reception of what you're putting out is, right? And and that can uh, be difficult. That's interesting. Absolutely, because um, for you, being in a crowd of people gives you energy. Oh yeah. For for an introvert, it sucks the energy out of them, and it it can be exhausting, right? So in a relationship in particular, it's really, really important to know that so you know you can meet the person where they are and you can find the middle ground and the balance. But the same holds true inside of organizations, right? Um, birds of a feather flock together. Yeah. You've got your, your creative and your marketing department. They're typically extroverted people, right? Your sales and your marketing people are tend to be very extroverted. Your your programmers, your accountants, um, your project managers, they tend to be more introverted people, right? And we clump them in groups right. accordingly, yep. Yep. <laughs> right? Got to go to the tech department and they're all got their headsets on and are like doing their thing and, you know, coding away um, versus the the marketing department is all going to be like, hey, what's going on? You know, people, beep, 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 right? It's just understanding that is so valuable for teams so that um, they know how to dance with each other, so to speak, to get the job 
the, to get the job done. And when we don't recognize that, we don't honor those things in each other, it can very quickly trigger that imposter syndrome. Like I'm supposed to have all the answers and I don't, and I'm supposed to be happy all the time and extroverted, like, but I don't, I'm not that way. And right. And so it creates a lot of, um, shooting on ourselves, right? Yeah. I should be this way, or I should be that way, or what if, and what if, and what if. So it's understanding and recognizing that internal dialogue that you might be having with yourself and then going, hmm, wait a minute. Maybe that's just part of who I am and that's okay. And I have to ask for what I need, especially in the workplace, right? And be willing to raise your hand to ask questions as well, yeah. right? Yeah. So That's really interesting. I never thought about how um, how imposter syndrome can actually be sort of a reactive thing. So it's a very interesting topic that you point out that it it's often the result of something that's happened, of some other external stimulus that's created this and, and kind of built up that anxiety. I've never really thought of that. So what are your best practices overall without giving away your total secret sauce? Um, what, what's your <laughs> advice for anyone who's listening? What should they do you know, to help themselves if they're finding that they're getting a lot of this imposter syndrome? Which by the way, just a quick sidebar before you answer that, this sounds a lot like the modern day fight, flight, or freeze, right? Where you have this sort of reaction to stuff that's going on at work, which is our, our modern day wilderness, so to speak, where you're no longer running from a bear or whatever's hunting you down, but you are, you know, your boss is walking by your your office in, in the days that we were going to an office. Maybe your your boss is appearing on your Zoom call giving you the stink <laughs> on your eye Zoom, these you're days. Like, ah. yeah. No, absolutely, Tony. So um, you can say thank you to your amygdala or Amy, right. as I like to call her. Your amygdala is that fight or flight response in your brain. It's hardwired. You're not getting rid of it. It's been around for you know thousands of years. So you have to learn how to retrain your Amy, to retrain your amygdala, because all of the triggers, all the responses, the fear responses that you have are based on the lessons that you learned as a child. Thank your parents in advance, <laughs> right? Or in post, I suppose. Um, and so no matter what the atmosphere was that you grew up in, good, bad, or ugly, we all make decisions about ourselves and how to stay safe in the world. Your amygdala is like, oh, don't put your hand on that stove. You'll get burned, right? Yeah. So note to self, we don't do that. And so as you move forward, you abide by those rules. Amy monitors those rules very, very carefully. She's very good at these things, right? And so part of this is learning to recognize the triggers and then asking yourself as an adult, does that rule still apply? Mm. Because if it doesn't, you can change it. Now, that is the tricky part sometimes because oftentimes those rules, those guidelines are buried deep in your subconscious and you don't have access to them consciously, which is why the work that I do is so profoundly helpful because I'm able to access things at a subconscious level and we literally rewrite the script. We neutralize the old emotional charges around those events where you decided, oh, I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy, I'm not smart enough, who am I? All of those things that we decided about ourselves so Amy could keep us safe, right? You can then go back and reprogram them 
in a particular way in a relatively short period of time. Now, coaching has its place. Therapy has its place. There's a lots of different modalities. Mm -hmm. And what I found is when I combined my 20 years of coaching experience with the rapid transformational therapy modality together, it really helps supercharge both of these and get at those subconscious beliefs, rewrite them, and then put new goals and strategies for success into place, right? So that when, you, when you're going to um, help yourself to overcome imposter syndrome, then there are things that you can start to do much, much more easily once you moved the originating trigger out of the way, or you've turned the volume down on it significantly. So it's, it's only a muffle or it doesn't even, you don't even notice it anymore. Right. So to answer your earlier question, like, well, what are some things that you can do to start overcoming imposter syndrome? The very first thing is notice what is the internal dialogue you're having with yourself? Is it lifting you up or is it tearing you down? Because if it's tearing you down, then there's some things that you need to rewrite. Right. Um, when you start to notice that dialogue, write it down, get it out of your head. So then you, you write it down on a piece of paper and then you can look at it from this adult perspective and go, is that true anymore? Is that really relevant anymore? Do I need to keep doing that thing or thinking that thought? Because if it's not empowering you, if it's not energizing you, then you might want to rethink it, right? Um, some other things you can do are really, um, focusing on your core values. What are those values that are so important to you, like water and air that you have to have them in your daily life and start to notice if this value is so important to me, how well am I actually living it? Because if I'm not living it in my day to day, then it's creating a misalignment and that misalignment creates the stress, the anxiety, and the dis-ease, which can very quickly turn into disease in our bodies, right? So there's um, there's a lot of different ways that you can overcome it. Um, and there's the, the short way, and then there's the long-term success tools that you need to also have in your back pocket. Because at any time, your scary boss who looks like a bear can walk down the hall and go, ah, right? And you're like, oh, wait. And you have to recalibrate because in those moments of stress, when that old trigger gets tapped and that button gets pushed, right? Um, what can happen is your amygdala can hijack your brain and it can take anywhere from 20 minutes to 24 hours for your prefrontal lobe literally to come back online and have you start thinking clearly. That's what happens when when that when that button does get pushed and you're like and and for me it's deer in the headlights like and I don't know what to say, I don't know how to respond right. and I'm just like yeah, you have more of the freeze reaction. Right, exactly. So giving yourself that time to have your brain recalibrate and come back so that then you can make clear, focused decisions that moves the ball forward in a good way. It's very interesting. And one of the other topics that you talk about frequently is how to be enough, right? You are enough. Mm -hmm. 
And I think for those who are listening, and and this is, as you pointed out very astutely, by the way, this is an ongoing thing. It's never going to be 100%, you know, you've meditated X hours, and now you no longer have amygdala hijack, or you no longer have these imposter syndrome issues, right? It doesn't go away like that. It's about like anything else, like a new dietary regime that you take on to lead a health, a more healthful lifestyle. It's a lifestyle change, right? And it's right. That's why they call it a meditation practice. Great point. Exactly. It's always a practice, right? And noticing, um, because even as you eliminate some of the big boulders, as I like to call them, the, the big things that created the I'm not enough conversation, there's always going to be tendrils off of that. Right. And they eventually have to get cleared out as well. That's a great point. Yeah. So, so what are your best practices for sort of fortifying that self-confidence to know that you are enough and to kind of take a step back when these things are creeping up, whether it's an amygdala hijack or a little imposter syndrome, kind of the voice in your head, you know, saying that, you know, you screwed this up again or whatever it is. What do you tell yourself? What are your actual practices that you employ on a, on a daily basis to kind of get yourself back on track and sort of right the ship? Sure. Well, when, when that button gets triggered, your amygdala gets lit up, literally, right? Um, and so I, I tell myself, I tell my clients, just say to yourself, thank you for sharing, Amy. thank you for sharing that worry that fear that concern but we've got this we can do this and it looks this way now right we're taking a new path and instead of that old reaction we're gonna we're gonna take this new reaction um when i first learned that i had an i'm not enough conversation I literally, I would, I would be driving to client meetings, right? And I'd have to spend an hour in the car because it's the San Francisco Bay Area. And I would sing a little song to myself. I am enough. I am enough. I am enough. You know, I'm not a good singer and I'm a terrible songwriter, (laughs) but you make up your own version, Tony, right? Yeah. And to all your listeners. And the more you tell yourself that I am enough, I'm worthy. I am lovable. I'm deserving of success. I'm worthy of success. I've got this. I'm capable. I believe in myself. The more you tell yourself that, your brain likes repetition. So you're literally building new neural pathways, right? One of the things that I do for my clients is I create a customized transformation recording. And it's about a 30-minute recording in a particular tone and cadence with binaural music blended in. And they listen to it every night as they're going to sleep. And what they're doing is as they're going from beta brainwaves to alpha brainwaves to delta brainwaves into that deeper sleep, their brain's always listening. So you're taking in these new ideas, these new beliefs, and they listen to it over a period of at least 30 days. And that repetition is building literally new neural pathways in their brain, Hmm. as we've learned from neuroplasticity, right? So your brain is never done learning. You can always learn new things, right? So use it or lose it, just like your muscles. So the more you flex your brain, the more you can learn. And so just how you hear a song on the radio over and over and over again, and you remember the words from songs 20, 30 years ago, right? What this process does is it helps drop 
those new that new messaging down into your long-term memory, down into your subconscious programming, so that next time that um, that invisible trigger button gets pushed, right, wherever they happen to be on you, that um, that becomes the new go-to pathway for coping versus the old pathway, which was. <gasps> What do right. we do now? Right. right. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. And, ah, right. And all that anxiety starts flooding your system with cortisol. So um, it's a way of helping you build new mental maps, if you will, for greater peace and calm and happiness and well-being. Yeah, that's an interesting point. You're kind of replacing the bad habits with this new response, right? You're You're taking control of what your potential response is in these situations and saying, you know, when, when my boss comes through that zoom call and gives me the stink eye because, you know, he thinks I'm working from home and not doing anything exactly. Um, I can turn around and say, you know, this is going to be my new reaction. I'm not going to let it bother me. I'm going to take a deep breath and I'm just going to move on and do what I have to do work-wise and maybe respond to that recruiter on LinkedIn that's been uh, messaging me for a few months. <laughs> <laughs> there are ways to solve problems, right? We just have to There's take control. There's always a way to solve the problem, one way or another, and they each have their choices and their consequences, right? Yeah, of course. And you can choose to act or you can just react, right? And what you're coaching people to do is to take action, to take control of the controllables so that they're not responding to these negative stimuli in a negative way. That only leads to, it's just a slippery slope of bad things, right? It starts with imposter syndrome. It eventually builds to some form of anxiety, certainly, which then potentially leads to all sorts of issues with potential depression, potential mental health issues, which again, will just cascade Physical and cascade. Health issues, yeah. so, so many different things, right? Of course. That's why I, you know, it, it's fascinating how our healthcare system is set up. It's very reactive, right? Yeah. You've got to, you feel bad. Well, here, take this pill, but nothing is getting at the root causes of it to eliminate that and then fostering greater well-being. All of those healthcare bills would go way down if we flip the script. Right? Yeah, well, well, it's and like what you said earlier. It's, well it's the problem with dis-ease leading to eventual disease, right? Which is what the what yes. the word comes from. Yeah, exactly. Right, and you know, sadly, um, there are a lot of companies out there that um, their revenues are all about keeping you feeling not so great so that you'll take the red pill or the blue pill. Exactly. Right? Yeah, absolutely. You're yeah. Ab absolutely right about that. Yeah. So now let's talk a little bit more in detail because you've touched on it throughout, but just to make it clear to anyone who's listening, what rapid transformational coaching is and how people might benefit from it. Sure. So um, as I mentioned earlier, I have studied this process called rapid transformational therapy or RTT for short. And it's a unique blend that brings together cognitive behavioral therapy, neuro-linguistic programming, and hypnotherapy all rolled up into one, right? And what I've done is I've combined RTT with my extensive coaching background and expertise from the last 20 years into what I call rapid rewiring. Right. And so over a period of 90 days, um, I'm literally able to help folks identify the core blocks, 
rewrite the script in their subconscious programming and then literally put new strategies for ongoing and long-lasting success into their lives, weaving it in. So for example, um, I had a I had a session just yesterday with a woman who has been experiencing anxiety her whole life. And um, along with the anxiety comes TMJ. Um, along with that comes uh, stress and imposter syndrome. She's 65 years old. She's been dealing with this for a very, very long time. And inside of the session, what we discovered was, oh, my mother just told me anxiety was in our DNA. Here, take a Valium. Like literally go to the hall. There's a, there's a bottle with yellow pills. Just take one of those anytime you feel funny. That was the programming that she was given from a very, very young age. Just take a Valium, honey. You'll be fine. And so what came out of the, the conversation with her subconscious was, oh, that was my mom just trying to make herself feel better and inviting me into her stress club. And so the water that she was swimming in, the environment that she was raised in was, let's just be anxious and have drama. That was what she was fed mentally from a, from a very young age. And so part of, of what we got through was her literally going, you know, this was never my stress to have. It wasn't my anxiety. It was all my mother's here. I'm just going to give it back to you, mom. And today she wrote me, she's like, I slept better last night than I, than I have. And I can't even remember how long. And I feel so much lighter and brighter than I have in many, many, many years. And, and so when you can identify the root cause of, of where those beliefs, those habits formed, you can change them. Your mind is an amazing place. I had somebody else I worked with just not too long ago who was like, I'm, I'm having some issues with my weight, it's impacting my health, and I have these terrible allergies. It's like, okay, let's look at that. So we were able to get at the root cause of his allergies. When he was six, he got a cat. But his dad, who he was very close with, got really busy with work and was absent. And so instead of being able to process the emotions of my dad suddenly not being available to me, he blamed it on the cat. Unconsciously, subconsciously. Wow. And it created a lifetime of cat allergies, literally. He's 55. His allergies are completely gone now. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So it's amazing what your mind will create to protect you. Thank you, Amy. Right? Um, as a way to help you to keep moving forward. That little, that six-year-old little boy, he didn't have the ability to process those emotions and especially, you know, growing up in a strong family like he did, you know, tears. No, no, we don't do tears. So, but I can't cry, but my eyes can water because of cat. That was safe for him. And once we uncovered that, boom, it's no longer needed. We turned it off. It's all gone. Wow. 
Amazing. It's so those are just some examples of how this this dis-ease and and the inability to process our emotions as as small children or teenagers or even young adults can impact our well-being and then that impacts our confidence and then it impacts how we show up and how we move through the world incredible really really incredible thank you so much michelle so what is the best way for people to reach out to you if they're considering rapid transformational therapy or would like to learn more about your programs or just to get in touch with you to ask you some questions? Sure. Um, there's two ways. You can always find me at michellemolitor.com, right? Michelle with one L, molitor.com. Um, and that's where you can learn more about the one-on-one work that I do with people. You can also visit nectarconsulting.com which is where you can learn more about the corporate training programs and well-being programs that I do with whole teams. So either way, you can uh, go there, schedule a confidential discovery call. It's complimentary. And we can talk more about what's going on with you and see how I might be of service uh, to you or to your team. Awesome. Sounds great. Michelle, thank you so much for being on the show. This was a great conversation. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Tony. I really appreciate you having me on the show. It was, was fun talking with you for sure.